0: I want to say to you this morning, there are two types of believers. There are two types of believers. Say to the person next to you, there are two types of believers. You have the believer who knows his authority, and you have the believer who doesn't know his authority. And one of the things I've learned is that the devil is not afraid of every Christian. The devil is not afraid of every Christian. The devil is only afraid of the believer that knows their authority. You know, the Bible is so powerful, and there's a scripture I like a lot that basically tells us that in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You don't have to turn there. We know that scripture, don't we? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So, what was the devil doing there if when we resist him, that's when he flees? How many of you know that when you resist someone and they flee, it means they're afraid of you? So, what was the devil doing there in the first place if he's afraid of us? He was trying to trick us because he thought we didn't know our authority. Are you hearing me this morning? He thought we didn't know our authority. So the authority he ends up having in our lives is not really authority. It's based on his trickery. That's why when you're a born-again believer, he has no right to mess with you. He only messes with you because of his schemes and how he plays around with your mind. I want to unpack this. This is so important, understanding your authority. All right? The word authority is the Greek word exousia. And in Scripture, it means ability, it means privilege, it means force, it means capacity, and it speaks of delegated influence and jurisdiction. That's what it's speaking of. And I want to encourage you, when you go to our website, you can download all these notes. Because I'm not going to touch on every single verse or every single thing. You can download all these notes, and so we've got them for you. So as you're taking notes this morning, just take notes with regards to what the Holy Spirit is sparking in your spirit. Amen? And then you can read, we we, we make those available and you can read those notes yourself and go through it in small groups also. So authority is ability, it's privilege, it's force, it's capacity, and it's delegated influence. It's jurisdiction. If there's a traffic cop out there and you're at a four-way stop where there's so much traffic, you know what it's like, right? You live in Gauteng, you know what I'm talking about. Let me ask you a question. If that traffic cop decides to get on his knees and begin to pray, and he says, Lord, please may this traffic just slow down. Lord, I pray, I intercede. You said anything I ask for in your name, you'll grant it to me. Lord, I'm crying out to you with prayer, with fasting. Please just reorganize this traffic, Lord. Please, Jesus, I believe in you. You know, these traffic cops, you know, a lot of them, they believe in prayer. I I stopped my car the other day and the guy was, the guy stopped me. And he said, oh, you're a pastor. Please pray for me. His name is Philemon. Please pray for Philemon. He's a police officer. Would it work? It won't work. But if he just gets up and waves his hand to the right and says, you guys stop. And waves his hand to the left and says, you guys, you can go through. Will that work? But why doesn't the prayer work? Surely prayer works. Are you following me this morning? I'm telling you right now, the reason why a lot of Christians are not having their prayers answered, they are interceding for things that Jesus has given them authority to command. Please understand this is so important. If you look at people like, like um, John G. Lake, do you remember he came down, the great healing guy? He came from Washington to South Africa. That's how the AFM church was birthed. And he came down, he trained up so many people, and he was getting results when it came to healing. And people asked him in the United States, how are you doing this? How are you getting these results? He sent them a letter and he says, we've shifted from intercessory prayer to taking authority. And we've seen that when we take authority over sickness, we're getting more results. I'm not saying there's there's no place for intercessory prayer. There's a place for that. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we must keep on praying in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers. One of the reasons why a lot of our prayers are not being answered is not because of God. It's because of our ignorance. It's because we're using the wrong type of prayer. Are you hearing me? There's a prayer of binding and loosing that we need to use to get certain results. There are times when you see Jesus, most of the time when he was dealing with sickness and infirmity, what is is he doing? He was just rebuking. It says he rebuked that infirmity. So God's hands are often tied. God's hands are often tied because he's given authority to man. And he says, go and exercise your authority. But we are looking to him and we are saying, God, please, may you give us breakthrough. Are there things that you are interceding about and asking God and God is looking at you and says, can't you see what my word says? Go and take authority. Are you hearing me this morning? When we have this revelation, there are things that happen in our lives. And now this is where we have to be spirit-led. Because I said to you, there are different types of prayers. There's the prayer of agreement, where Jesus says, if two or three are gathered in my name, it will be done if you pray in my will. Okay? There's the prayer of binding and loosing. There's the prayer of faith, where you have what you say. There are apostolic decrees and declarations that we can make. We have to know which type of prayer we must use. There's the prayer of thanksgiving and praise. Amen? And it's a journey. If you've been praying and your prayers aren't being answered, don't blame God, don't get offended, but rather go back into the Word and say, Lord, may you show me how to pray. Sometimes when I'm praying for people, I will start off with intercessory prayer and then literally I have a vision. And the vision is usually a weapon of war or a, or a gun pointing down. And when the Lord first showed me that, he said, I want you to shift into dealing with the devil. And so in my life, that's just what happens. That's why sometimes I can be praying for you in one way, then I'll literally shift directions and begin to do warfare. Because he's showing me that this one requires warfare. Amen? Don't intercede about things where God has given you authority to rebuke. Is someone getting this this morning? Okay? This is so, so important. It's so important. Authority is often confused with other things in scripture. It's often confused with other things in scripture. Authority is not the same as power. The Greek word for power is dunami, and that speaks of power. Do you remember what Jesus says? You'll receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit next Sunday. We'll talk about the benefits of the baptism in the Spirit. That's speaking of power. Is the devil powerful? Yes, he's powerful. Does he have authority over you? No, he doesn't. It's one thing to have power. It's another thing to have authority. Amen? Amen. Someone can be driving a 30 ton truck, you know, those ones with lots of cargo. They can be driving that, right? And if they wanted to just run over that traffic cop, a small lady, they can literally run over because they've got power. But what does she do? You see her there with her high heels, and it stops. What is that speaking of? She has authority. And the authority that she has is delegated authority from the government. If you mess with her, you're messing with the government. If you mess with me, there's authority that I come with. Where is it from? God Himself. If someone messes with you, where's that authority coming from? It's delegated authority. Jesus has given you the power to use His name. Isn't that beautiful? He's given you the power to use his name. I was praying about this and the Lord started speaking to me saying, one of the reasons my children don't function in my authority, they don't value my name. They don't value my name. And one of the reasons they don't value my name is they're messing around with other names. You see, as long as you value other names more than the name of Jesus, you won't walk in the authority of that name. So if I'm more interested in what's the label on my suit? Is it an Armani? I have to wear an Armani today. And and I prize that more than the name of Jesus. I'm devaluing the name of Jesus in my life. Then I'll be like the sons of Sceva. Remember the sons of Sceva? <laughs> there was a priest called Sceva, and the sons of Sceva tried to start casting out demons. And what did they do? They went around and they said, you know what, in, Je- in Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we cast you out. And what did the demons say? You know what, Jesus we know. Paul, we are acquainted with, there's two Greek words there. Jesus, we know intimately. We know him experientially. and I believe that demon that was that man's life had probably been cast out by Jesus. right? Seriously. We know him experientially. Paul, we are acquainted of him. We've heard of him, but you, who are you? My question to you is, are you known in the spirit realm? Are you feared in the spirit realm? Ask yourself that question. There are a lot of Christians that are not feared in the spirit realm. Why? Because they don't know their authority. Simple as that. They go to church. Hey, the devil is happy. You go to church, but you're still ignorant of your authority. Amen? We're talking here about the believer's authority. We're not talking about authority someone has because they're a pastor or a prophet or an apostle. We're talking about the believer's authority that we all have because we're in Christ Jesus. Amen? We have it. Don't be ignorant of it. Don't be ignorant of it. When you have this authority that's in the name of Jesus, it's actually the same as having the power of attorney. Imagine Bill Gates, one of the richest men in the world, right? Imagine he gives you power of attorney over all his assets. How would you feel? You get a letter saying you've got power of attorney over all of Bill Gates' assets. How will you feel? Let's be honest. Signing powers. To basically say, yeah, okay, yeah, these three mansions will go to the Nyamuda household, yeah, and then this, these, these businesses over here, yes, we will take them, and then these ones will go to, uh, yeah, that, that tract of land, yeah, yeah, it's going to go Christian Church, yeah, and then that's where the people, and then this bank uh, account here, yeah, that, imagine that you would use it, wouldn't you? Now you've been given power of attorney, the name of Jesus. The name that is above every other name in earth and in heaven and in the world below and in ages to come. You've been given that. The Bible tells us at the end of Matthew, right? Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. But what does he first say? All authority has been given to me. All authority on earth and in heaven has been given. I'm now giving you power of attorney to go and make disciples. Isn't that exciting? So why do we get excited about Bill Gates giving us power of attorney, but we've already been given the name of Jesus to use? Amen. Now, if someone is, if I give someone power of attorney, I will be excited if they are advancing my cause. Right? If they come to me and they say, I used your signature because you had given me signing powers. And now we've got this land for the church at this new building. I'll be excited that they used it for that. If they come to me and they say, I used your signature and we've transferred funds and now we've built up these brothels and we've started a porn business, as in pornography, not a porn shop, right? How would I feel? I would feel bad. So the authority that we use, that we have in Christ, has to be used responsibly. He's given us authority to advance his agenda, not our own. So it's, it's in my interest to figure out, Lord, what is on your agenda? Remember when Jesus teaches us to pray, what does he say? When you pray, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the essence of prayer. So the, the work of prayer is figuring out what his will is and then executing his will on the earth. Those are the prayers that get results. Are you hearing me this morning? The reason why a lot of our prayers aren't being answered is we're not praying his will. And we're not executing his agenda, infecting heaven on earth. Infecting earth with heaven. Amen. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3 verse 8, you don't have to turn there, but it says that the Son of God came for this very reason, to destroy the works of the devil. That was his agenda, to destroy the works of the devil. And now we've been given delegated authority to enforce that. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, didn't he? He disarmed the enemy. Our job is to enforce that. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. The way the enemy operates, it's a bit like if you're running a business and then there's someone who decides to leave and they're not leaving in a good way. What do you do? You give them a restraint of trade, don't you? Right? Right? And this, this is so powerful. This is an example God literally gave me, dropped into my spirit. You give him a restraint of trade and you say, for this period of time, for the next six months, you cannot function in this business. That's what you do typically, right? Are we, are we together? That's what you would do. But let's say the person continues to function like that. They're doing so illegally. Are you hearing me? Do they have the power to do it? Yes. Do they have the knowledge to do it? Yes. Do they have the right to do it? No. And if you want to stop them from doing it, you have to enforce it. So what happened was that God basically created the world and he placed man in charge. We call it the dominion mandate. And he says, go and rule. But man ceded that right, ceded that authority to the devil. You can do that, can't you? You give authority to someone to do something, and then the person just says to someone else randomly without telling you, listen, here are the keys. Can you go and get that? The person is doing that through his trickery. Are you following? And that took place right through the Old Testament where these rights had been ceded to the enemy. And then when Jesus came, say to the person next to you when Jesus came, You see, many people don't understand that there's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Because when Jesus came, what did he do? He destroyed the works of the enemy. He disarmed what the enemy had done. And he basically says, I am redeeming you. In other words, I am buying back your rights. It's a bit like a business having someone buying out. Someone who would become a shareholder. Right? But imagine that person still goes and carries out certain tasks underhandedly carries out certain things underhandedly still uses his old signature underhandedly can they do that yes if they can trick people into whatever authority that they still think they have but what did jesus do he bought back the rights what is our business right now as christians it's enforcing those rights by exercising our authority is that clear And that's why, and I think my wife mentioned this last Sunday, what what can the devil do to Christians? Whatever the Christian wants. Whatever the Christian wants. Because if that Christian is ignorant of the authority they have, guess what? They'll be messed around by the enemy. I don't want no devils messing me around. Amen? You've got many doctors who end up traveling abroad and officially, officially, they are not allowed to practice medicine in that country until they have some kind of conversion license. Otherwise, they will be arrested for being a person who's practicing medicine without a license. When the devil messes with you and with your family, you need to tell them that you've got no legal right to be doing this. And then you enforce kingdom legality onto the devil. Amen. We can only do this if we know our authority. Now, authority is not the same as power. Are we clear about that? Authority is not the same as being filled with the Spirit. Authority is not the same as exercising spiritual gifts. Authority is not the same as prevailing prayer. The believer's authority is the inherent right of the believer because of his position with Christ in heavenly realms. Let me explain something. Let me explain something. Do you know that... God is outside of time, isn't he? Say to the person next to you, God is outside of time. Okay? So for God, everything is present tense. He's not the I will be. He's not the I was. He's the I am. So, so here's the thing. You, ha- you have to know, I have to know how I am currently positioned in the spirit realm. You see, many times we define ourselves by how we are positioned on earth, by how we look in the physical, instead of defining ourselves based on what God has already done. You see, very often when God then speaks to you, he dumbs it down. When God speaks to me, he dumbs it down. So he will say, Paul, one day you will be but the things he's talking about, he's talking to me in future tense, but it's things that have already been done in the spirit realm. Are you hearing me? Do you know what faith is? Faith is when I then believe that he's done that already. And, when I, and then I pull it down and make sure that it manifests in the natural that's why if you, if you want to grow in the language of faith, if you want to grow in the language of authority, it is crucial, it is of paramount importance for you to understand the difference between what God will do and what God has already done. So we understand as Christians that our spirit has been regenerated. It's already happened. You heard about that last Sunday, didn't you? Right? Right? But what's happening in the realm of my soul, what's happening with my mind, my will, and my emotions, my intellect, my imagination, they are being sanctified. The word word sanctify is an interesting one. It's hagiazo in the Greek. It literally is the same as holify. Because in in the original language, the word holy is hagios. So sanctification is the process of becoming holy. So do you know what limits me in my walk with God? It's not the fact that I'm born again. It's not what happened in my spirit. The thing that limits me is that in the realm of my soul, my soul hasn't yet caught up to the reality of my spirit. Is everyone following this morning? Okay? Let me break it down in an example. I've got an S9+. plus. My Samsung phone is an S9+. plus. That's quite a good phone, isn't it? But you know what? I've been having challenges connecting my Bluetooth to my vehicle. And then I looked it up, I Googled it, I went to Uncle Google or Auntie Google, whatever gender she is, and I looked it up and I saw that there were a number of Samsung struggling to connect with my type of vehicle. And the people said to me, you know what, I think you'll need to go and uh, maybe download an updated version of your Bluetooth. Go and speak to the Samsung people. Are you hearing what, where I'm coming from? When you become a believer your central processing unit, who's in IT here? Your CPU, it's it's powerful. It's it's powerful because your spirit has been regenerated. The S9 Plus is a powerful phone. And we're coming into days where we're gonna have supercomputers in our pocket, right? But you know what? It doesn't matter what your CPU is like if your software is not updated. It doesn't matter what's happened to your spirit, man, if in the realm of your soul, your mind has not been renewed to actually know the reality of where you're positioned in Christ. Is everyone following? Okay. And that's why we can't play games. We have to be in the word. We have to know this new creation reality. Otherwise, the devil just has a field day. When your spirit is regenerated, you know you've got fire insurance. You're going to heaven but you'll have a miserable life if your mind has not caught up. You can have that S9 Plus or S10. I don't know what phones you guys have. iPhone X. You can have whatever you have in terms of the CPU, the RAM. It has wonderful phone, wonderful computer, but you still need to go to those apps. Right? Play Store, whatever you use, Safari, those of you who are iPhone people. Okay? And then you need to download the latest software because that affects how your computer works. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know that the, be- the devil is afraid of believers who understand their authority. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. This is all past tense, ladies and gentlemen. Made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together. Who's it talking about? Believers. And made us sit together where you seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus, that's Ephesians two verse four to seven. If you meditate on this scripture, your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same if you meditate on this. So what is the nature of authority? It's important for us to understand that God ultimately possesses all authority. God ultimately possesses all authority. A powerful scripture is 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10 to 12. King David had this revelation, interestingly enough. He says, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. O Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. That's a very powerful scripture. So God has all authority, but he delegates this authority. Amen? He, He delegates this authority. Now, it's a bit like this. Have you ever been in a situation where you go and purchase, I'm just talking to you about the ministry of Jesus, because he's been given all authority, hasn't he? But does it look like it? When you look at the world today and you see the things that happen, when you see all the storms, all the earthquakes, how many of you know that there can be demonically inspired earthquakes? There can be storms that are demonically inspired, you know that, right? I'm not going to go into the detail of that sometime. I'll, I'll teach on it a little bit, right? But if you look at the world, does it look like Jesus has all authority? It doesn't look like it, huh? Eh? When you look at the sickness and disease and things that happen in families, does it look like it? No, it doesn't look like it. But the Bible tells us that all authority is his. But he has chosen to give us a measure of that authority to basically go and occupy. The Christian message is go and occupy. Go and take over. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. And as long as believers sit back and just say, "Oh Lord, come through. Lord, come with your glory." It won't happen. Because he's chosen aeons ago. He's chosen from beginning of time to take authority through us. When you have that revelation, it changes everything that you do because you're not waiting for God to do something amazing while God is waiting for you to do amazing things. Say to the person next to you, I'm a God carrier. Say to the person next to you, I'm a glory dispenser. That's the Christian life. And for those of you who've been double-minded about wealth, you've been double-minded about whether you should go and lead, that should answer your question. Because if you, if you desire to be wealthy, I've spoken to people recently where they said, when I became a Christian, my desires to be wealthy just went down. And I said to the person, you know what, but have a revelation that you can be a kingdom financier. Where it's prosperity with a purpose. Where God trusts you with authority to create wealth and you do it for his kingdom. That's how we take over. Amen? How many business people here? How many business people here? Do you know what the word of God says? Some of you should have raised your hands. There's power in agreement. How many business people here? How many kingdom financiers here? Okay, you're catching on now. So here's the thing here's the thing. The Bible says, speaking of Cyrus, speaking of Cyrus, the Bible says, I will give you hidden riches in dark places. That's your portion. But where are those riches? They're hidden and they're in dark places. Why? There's the spirit of mammon that controls money in the world and how it operates. Please catch this this morning. There's a spirit of mammon in the world that controls the use of money and materialism. So that is why when someone says, I want to start some dodgy business, it's very easy for them to get the money for that. Why? There's no resistance spiritually. Are you hearing me? But for the average Christian, they think, why are all those worldly people so blessed? It's not that they're necessarily blessed. It's just that it was easy for them to get the money because there was no resistance because they're using it for the kingdom of darkness. Are you hearing this revelation this morning? But then when you have a revelation of being a kingdom financier, you break through that. You break through that and you gain access to hidden riches in dark places. How many of you know that they're angels of prosperity? There are times when you actually need angelic assistance to break through to a certain level of wealth. The sad thing is a lot of Christians today are bound by the spirit of poverty. Seriously. How many of you are in situations where you're always living in the land of almost? You know what I'm talking about, right? You share testimonies here in church in front of all of us. And you're like, "Ah, yeah, you know, I'm so glad because there's this deal and they've asked me to do this. They've asked me to do that. But then it fades away. We don't hear the testimony that says the cash is now in the bank. Yeah, Yeah, and pastor, you know, what's the budget for that building? Yeah, no, we we don't hear that part. The part of the testimony here is, yeah, so I'm meeting with them in two weeks time and we'll see how it goes. And then it fades away. Why does it fade away? You're living in the land of almost. That's one of the marks of the spirit of poverty. But I've got news for you. We're going to be dealing with it at the end of this service. And we're going to be dealing with it on Friday. Don't miss Ignite. You have to be present to win. We're going to be dealing with the spirit of poverty. And we're going to be making declarations, crafted prayers around being uncommon givers. And the breakthrough that comes from that. Amen? Sometimes you need more powerful angels to be working with you in order to deal with principalities that are holding those resources of darkness. See, God has ultimate authority. That's why the Bible says to us, it's very powerful, I love this scripture, Bible basically speaks of it, and Jesus says, you know what? The laborers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. What does Jesus say? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who's the Lord of the harvest? God, that he might send laborers to gather the harvest. This is a very powerful truth. Do you know what I'm saying? God is the Lord of that harvest. God created all these people. If you have this revelation, you pray differently for the lost. When the Lord began to show me this, I began to pray for for someone who I care for, who's not yet saved. And I said, Lord, you are the one who created him. You are the Lord of the harvest. So I'm now going and I'm taking them. I'm snatching them out of darkness because they belong in God's kingdom, not in the kingdom of darkness. Are you catching this? They belong in God's kingdom, but they've been tricked by the enemy. That's why the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they would not be saved. Very often with evangelism, it's actually warfare. When you find out what is blocking this person, did you notice when you got saved, you're like, how come I didn't see this all this time? Come on, when you got saved, you're like, but all the, I was living that way, but how come I didn't see it? The God of this world had blinded your mind. Amen? Let me just say something. For you as a believer, you might be born again, but your mind might still be blinded in certain areas. You see, there are certain Christians. How many of you were not always tithers, but you now are? You had a revelation, didn't you? And you're like, "Ah, I could have been way advanced if my mind hadn't been blinded. Here's the principle. Many Christians today, their minds have been besieged by the enemy. You're born again, but your mind has been besieged by the enemy. And we need to break that. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, what's so powerful when you look in Scripture You understand that God delegates his authority to man. He delegates his authority to man. Matthew 9 verse 8 says, When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. I don't know about you, but I want to function in the fullness of the authority God has called me to function in. Amen? Okay? You know what is interesting? God may delegate authority to us. Jesus might say, hey guys, I've given you this authority. But we don't all use it. How many of you are leaders here, leaders in society, leaders? Come on, if you're a parent, you're a leader, right? Have you noticed that sometimes you you give authority, you delegate authority to your child to do something or that person at work to do something? There's some who take hold of it. There are others who say, I'm afraid of the accountability involved in this and the responsibility, and they don't take it. So it's all fair and fine for us to keep saying, you've got the believer's authority. You've got the believer's authority. We're all the same. We've been given the same authority. But you know what the difference between us is? There's some who take it and walk in it. There's some who don't. And here's the interesting thing. It's all on a continuum. It's all on a continuum. So for me, I want to figure out this wonderful name of Jesus, this power of attorney I've been given, how can I maximize on it? Say to the person next to you, it's maximizing time. This is so powerful. You know, it's a bit like using your authority. It's a bit like going to builder's warehouse. How many of you have been to builder's warehouse? Right? We've all been to builder's warehouse. And what happens when you're getting large planks of wood, big items? Can you just park in the normal place? No. What do you do? You go and you say, I want this and this and this. And then they cut it out for you, don't they? And then you pay for it. And then you take that slip and then you take your vehicle round to the back. And what gives you access to that backyard is the slip to say, I've paid for my goods. It's now collection time. Some of you are in a situation where Jesus has already paid for it, but you haven't yet collected Jesus has already paid for it. And he has given you that receipt. You haven't yet collected it. Say to the person next to you, it's collection time. <laughs> Are you catching this? Romans 13 verse 1 to 2 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So God delegates authority. See, all human authority is delegated authority and therefore is accountable to God's authority. All these governments, they're accountable to God. God. Amen. Romans 14 verse 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You see, you'll never be afraid of a president. You'll never be afraid of government officials when you understand that whatever authority they have has been given to them by God. So they're accountable to a higher authority. Amen. And when you function from that higher authority, you're not intimidated by anyone. You're not intimidated by anyone. So, all delegated authority is limited authority. No one has this ultimate authority to just come and say, I'm killing you now. This is your day to die. No one has that authority over you. All authority is limited. And that's the problem with slavery. That's the problem with oppression. That's the problem with bullying. It's where people try to exercise their authority beyond its limits. That's why, even as pastors, our authority is limited. When some pastors begin to go beyond those limits, guess what they do? We call it heavy shepherding. Heavy shepherding. What is heavy shepherding? It's where you start telling people what school their kids must go to. What color clothes they must come to church with. Who they should marry. I'm not going to tell you who to marry. I might have my preference. I'm not going to tell you who who should marry. Amen? If you want to hear my preference, we can talk. We can talk after (laughs) that. (laughs) Okay. I haven't got authority. I can advise you. I was saying this to a couple um, to, to a guy who phoned me. He said, "Can you come and counsel? I need my wife back. I want my wife back, right? And, and he said to me, "My wife said, my wife told me that if she'll go with what you say. If you say she must stick with me, then she, then, then she'll stick with me. If you say she mustn't, then you'll. And I just corrected him I said, "You know what? That's heavy shepherding. We don't do that. What I will do is I will give advice. And I will say to her, if you continue with this guy, these are the consequences. If you leave him, these are the consequences, but it's your choice. Amen? Authority is limited. It's limited authority. It's limited authority. So this becomes quite exciting because you see in scripture in Acts chapter 4, verse 18 to 20, and then Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Then they called them in again. And commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They were told not to preach. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight. Can you see? higher authority. To obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men because men have limited authority. It's important to know that you don't have authority over someone else's will. See, people get excited when we talk about the believer's authority and then we start exercising authority over other people's wills. Can't do that. If you come to me at the end of the service and you say, I've got a demon, I've got a demon. One of the first questions I'm going to ask you is, do you still want it? Because there are a lot of people who still want the demons they have. Amen? Pastor, I've got a demon of lust. Do you, do you want us to rebuke it? I have to be aligned with your will. And that's why very often the breakthrough that people experience, it is limited based on their belief. And often those of us who are praying for them will pray for them at the level that they believe. Are you hearing me? Because you see, I can go and I can just cast out the demon, but guess what's going to happen? Jesus says that, you know what, that demon will leave. But if, if the house is left empty, the house of your body is left empty, it will go and will call its friends and then seven more will come, right? And you end up in a worse condition. That's why you cannot separate deliverance from discipleship. You get delivered, but you have to renew your mind with the word of God and fill that void with good stuff. Amen. That's why often when we pray for people for deliverance, we then say, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with the Spirit. There has to be something displacing where those demons were. Amen. It's very important to understand these things, and it's very foundational. Very foundational. So what's the nature of Christ's authority? Christ's authority includes all authority in heaven and on earth. Right? And we see this in Matthew 28 verse 18 and i've already shared this with you a lot of christians try to evangelize without exercising authority a lot of evangelism involves warfare it's important to understand that b christ's authority is far above all other authority some people seem to think that their boss has more authority than jesus just by how they operate they honestly they're so afraid of their leaders in the workplace and those Christians don't know how to exercise authority themselves in terms of the believer's authority because they've exalted other names above the name of Jesus. Simple as that. You fear the name of your boss. If he's called, what's the, what's the, what's the boss's name? If he's called Philemon, you'll be afraid, more afraid of Philemon. Just hear the name Philemon. You're trading on eggshells all day. And yet when you listen to messages and you hear about the name of Jesus, it's just like, oh, Jesus. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I tried Jesus. Oh, what did Jesus say? no weight on his name. Amen? You're more afraid of Philemon than Jesus. I'm not one of those people who thinks all black people are called Philemon, okay? It's just just one of those names that was top top of mind for me. (laughs) All right? So we see that Christ's authority is far above all other authority. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, it says, Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might. Whatever demon keeps appearing to you, the authority of Jesus is far above it, right? And every name that is named above the name of cancer, above any tumor that might try to hit your body, right? Not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. I like this part. And he put all things under his feet. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, but that's still Jesus. That's still Jesus. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. The church is Christ's body. Where are your feet? Are your feet above your body or below? Right? And it says that all these powers and principalities and every name is under his feet. So it's under the church also. Isn't that powerful? If you are in Christ, if you are part of his body, if you then detach yourself from the body, is one of the reasons why people get messed up by the enemy, by the way. It's when they detach themselves from the body of Christ and they become lone rangers. Because this dominion is under his feet and he's given that to the church. So be part of the church. Amen? The moment you get offended, the moment you isolate yourself, the moment you resent the church, you become like this cancerous cell that's out there doing its own thing and you get zapped by the enemy. There's protection when you are connected to the church. Amen? There is. Now... D, Christ demonstrated authority while on earth. You know what I find so interesting? A lot of people resist this type of message. A lot of people don't even believe they're demons. A lot of people will say, you know, and we call them secessionists, and they'll say, yeah, miracles were just for the early church when Jesus was was preaching his message, just to establish the church, but we don't need miracles now. Where did they get that from? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Some of them are clever theologians, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a demonically inspired lie. There's one dispensation from the time of Christ, and we're still in that dispensation. Amen? It's not like, yeah, no, the early church, this is what we needed, and now we don't need it anymore. Yeah, afterwards, in 10 AD, we needed it a little bit, and then now, because we're in the 21st century, we don't really need it. Eh? Wrong answer. Amen? And you see, when you want to know and understand biblical doctrine, ask yourself, did Jesus talk about it? So did Jesus talk about this? Yes, he did. He says believers will cast out demons. He spoke about it. Then you ask yourself, do we see it demonstrated in the book of Acts? Yes, we see them casting out demons left, right, and center. Then we ask ourselves, did Paul the apostle explain it in the epistles? Yes, he did. Look at 2 Corinthians right? What does he talk about? He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, right? We resist every argument that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. So he explained the concept of warfare, but people still resist this. So the Bible is very clear. We see that Jesus demonstrated authority while he was on earth, right? This is seen in Christ's teaching, Mark 1, verse 22, it says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. It's also seen in his forgiving of sins. In Matthew 9, verse 6, it says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Okay? We also see this in how he commanded evil spirits to leave. Mark 1, verse 27. Then they were all amazed. Why were they amazed? So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. All right? This is also seen in how he would control the elements of nature. And by the way, God also gives you authority to do that, especially with the demonically inspired storms that happen. You can literally pray, this fire needs to stop. This wind must turn direction change direction. When Jesus ministered on earth, he was demonstrating what you and I can do. He ministered on earth as a man. Is everyone following? He was fully God and fully man. But when he was ministering on earth, he was ministering as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's why he wasn't doing miracles until he got baptized. Amen. Then it says he went out, and in the power of the Spirit, he did A, B, C, D. And that same power we can also operate. Amen? Okay. And this is very interesting. It says, and they were afraid, Luke 8, verse 25. And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. See, the Bible tells us that it is God who determines the boundaries of this is where the ocean will end and the land begin. So when you see the ocean now crossing over and you're having those tsunamis, don't blame God. God has set clear boundaries, but the enemy's strategy very often is to bring chaos. Amen? Okay. Christ's authority extends into the ages to come. This authority includes life and death. And we see this in John chapter 10. This authority includes uh, the the authority to grant eternal life. It also includes the authority to execute judgment. We see this in John 5, right? If you read throughout the gospel of John, we see the authority of Jesus because in the gospel of John, that's where his, his godship or the fact that he is the son of God, right? That's emphasized, his otherness. It's emphasized in the gospel of John, all right? So what authority is given to the believer in Christ. Jesus authorized believers to function in his authority when he gave them authority to use his name, and we see that in Mark chapter 16, and I've shared that quite a bit, okay? We also see that the leaders in the New Testament, in the new in the early church, they exercised authority. In Acts chapter 8 verse 7 and throughout the book of Acts. It says, "And the multitudes with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. How I many of you want joy in your city? How I many of you want joy in your family? How I many of you want joy in the workplace? Cast out devils. Cast out demons. Amen. Sometimes you see in some translations, it will say possessed, all right? But that's not really an accurate translation. When we look in scripture, we actually see a continuum. So sometimes it will say this person was demonized. And then other times it will say they were severely demonized, right? That's, that's a more accurate way of seeing it, right? Do you remember the guy, Legion? And Jesus says, what's your name? And he says, Legion, for we are many. That just shows you the capacity of a human being to have a legion of demons in them. Amen? Sometimes we're shocked when we see these mass murderers and all these people doing very strange things. Severely demonized. So there's mildly demonized, there's severely demonized. If you're a believer in Christ, it's not to say that the demon is in your spirit, because your spirit is born again. But you can be oppressed by demonic influence. Amen? And those demons, it's something that my my wife uh, has been talking about quite quite a bit, those demons can hide. We'll teach on that sometime. That's why sometimes someone seems like, you know, they're an ordinary person and they're there, faithful, working, and so on. And it's only after three years, you're now casting out this demon and you're thinking to yourself, but why didn't we see it before? hmm The early church demonstrated power over sickness and disease. We see this in Acts chapter 9, verse 33 to 34. It says, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You know what I like about the wording in scripture? It doesn't say he sent them to pray for the sick. There are other scriptures that talk about that. But for the most part, when Jesus is talking about it, he says, I'm sending you to heal the sick. So the solution to healing very often isn't the prayer. Often it's the authority where you tell the sickness where to go. And I'm not going to go into it right now. I'm going to do a whole series on healing. But I just want you to know that there's certain sicknesses where it's well known that there's a spirit behind it. There are times when people come up for prayer and we know that we have to cancel the appointment that they have with death. You know that you can have an appointment with death where the enemy's strategy is for you to die by a certain time. And don't say, it was God's will, it was God's will just because God allowed it. Don't say it was God's will. There are many people that are dying prematurely today. And it's the enemy's strategy against them. So our job is to step in and to basically say, I'm cancelling your appointment with death. And I'm speaking to that spirit of death. So around suicide, there's a spirit of death operating. And very often you'll find that in families, you'll find a situation where that spirit of death can try and cause sickness. Other times it tries to cause suicide. But it's still the same spirit of death operating. And if you're heading up that family, you need to take authority because we have houses of authority. Sometimes I can't just do it for you unless you are aligned in terms of your will to get rid of that thing. Amen? But we have to know how to pray concerning these things. Okay, all believers can walk in this believer's authority. So, what is the basis of the believer's authority? The basis of the believer's authority is the work of Christ on the cross. Okay, it's it's what Jesus has done on the cross. My wife said last week, There's no other sacrifice, there's no other sacrifice that is needed. Jesus has done it. Okay, in Colossians 2 verse 15, it says, In this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authority. Last time I checked, that's past tense, isn't it? He disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. Has the cross happened? So has the enemy been disarmed? That's why the Bible tells us that the devil is roaming around the earth. Like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. And it says, seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everyone. Listen very carefully, please. He cannot devour everyone. Seeking whom he may devour. Whom may he devour? Those who don't know their authority. Amen? Those who don't know their authority in Christ Jesus. You know, the the roar of a lion is very loud, by the way. I don't know if you've been to any of those game reserves and you can hear when a lion roars. Do you know those dogs that bark very loudly, but then when you go up to them, they run away from you? Seriously. Some of the dogs that really bite are the ones that don't bark. You know what I'm talking about? When we were growing up, we used to talk about dogs quite a bit. Where I come from when we were growing up, the dogs weren't called Teddy or Maxie or Benji. Nice, cute names. When we were growing up at our rural home, I think one of the dogs was called Danger. Do you remember Danger? (laughs) My parents know. One of the dogs was called Danger. Right? There's a friend of ours, a guy called Kurai. He came and he says, Guys, we've got a new dog. It's called Kila. Okay? (laughs) So you know what it's like growing up on the African continent. You know, dogs are there for security purposes. Those of us who then married cross-culturally, we've had to adjust <laughs> to some of these things, you know. <laughs> oh, Maxie, Maxie, <makes> Maxie. So it's been a process, you know, the last 17 years adjusting to these things, you know. <laughs> but here's the point, here's the point. Some of the dogs that really bark, really bark, they don't bite. But we used to talk about certain dogs when we were growing up. See, that, those dogs that house, I'm telling you, you must just stay away from them. Because they literally just go up to you and they start eating you. Literally start eating without barking. The devil is like that. He barks loudly. He roars loudly. And then we are afraid. And that fear becomes a foothold. If you struggle with anxiety, just be careful about it. Anger, anxiety gives the enemy a foothold over you. Because the enemy looks and he says, you're in fear. That's part of my kingdom. Because his kingdom is built on fear. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when you build up a fortress of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, you are in a place of immunity from the enemy. Because Satan has nothing in you. Do you remember when Jesus said that? When he said, Satan has nothing in me. In other words, there's nothing in me that gives the devil legal access. So what's the basis of the believer's authority? It's... Us being in Christ. It's the cross of Christ, then it's us being in Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Let me say something about that word new. There are two major words for new in the New Testament. There's new, the Greek word "neos, which is a new type, like a new type of vehicle. So there was the Mazda 323. Then there was a new Mazda that came out. It was the Mazda 626. It's still a Mazda, but it's just a new type. Then there's another word that is used in the New Testament, and it's an interesting word, but it basically is the word kainos, and it speaks of new as in type. Imagine you suddenly have a vehicle, and it says there's a new kind of vehicle. It doesn't use wheels. It just floats, hovers. I know some of you sci-fi people, you're looking forward to that day, aren't you? When the Bible here speaks of you being a new creation, it's basically talking about how you're a new breed. You're a new breed. You're outside the matrix. You're something new that has never been before. Isn't that powerful? It's not just the old me that's just, you know, a slightly different version. It's kainos. And when we understand that, that we were a new type of being, a new creature, new creation, you operate at another level of authority. Amen? The devil can't touch you. Say to the person next to you, the devil can't touch you. Okay. So it says, all things have gone. All things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. See, the basis for the believer's authority is their being genuinely submitted to Christ and other delegated authorities in their life. You know what? And you see this in Matthew 8. Let me just say something. You cannot exercise authority if you're not under authority because all authority is delegated. You can't just go and just say, yeah, I want you to do this and this and this. If I go to your organization, I start calling people for, to meetings. You'll say, Paul, that's an illegitimate meeting. Who delegated that authority to you for you to do that? Amen? The degree to which I walk in Christ's authority is to the degree to which I'm submitted to his authority. That's why we cannot talk about just salvation. We have to talk about lordship. Amen? Amen? We have to talk about lordship. You heard about that last week, right? We have to talk about lordship. Because there are many believers today who come to prayer meetings, and when we say, we're doing declarations and decrees, and you see them there, I decree and I declare, I decree and I declare. But the, li- the lifestyle they're living is not submitted to Christ's lordship. So when they're decreeing and they're declaring, you know what actually happens? I know it's a scary thought, but they experience ultimately spiritual backlash. Because basically you're saying to the enemy, I'm out to get you. And the enemy says, but I have a legal right over you because you're not submitted to the lordship of Christ. So when you try to rebuke me, where's that delegated authority coming from? Are you following this morning? I only have authority because I'm submitted to authority. Okay. Very important. D, the basis for the believer's authority is being called or appointed by the Lord. We see this in John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name. In other words, according to my will, the stuff that I want to happen anyway, he may give you. E, the basis for the believer's authority and spiritual authority is operating in God's ordained area of rule in our life. You can't step out of God's will for your life and start to try to exercise authority. Why? Because you're not aligned with his will. Amen. This is very important. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he says, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field that God has assigned to us. A field that reaches even to you. So how can I land this? There's some guidelines when it comes to exercising authority. The first thing we need to do is exercise authority over our own lives. You see, you can't go out there and try to execute judgment in other spheres if you haven't been doing so over yourself. Amen? You first have authority over your own body. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. Very powerful scripture there. We take down every argument that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ. We deal with it. We deal with it. So exercise authority first over yourself. Amen. Okay. B, we should use our authority for the well-being of others. That's so important. Your authority is to build people up and not to tear them down. Right? And I think that's such a powerful study. C, we should use our authority to overcome the works of darkness. D, we should expect to be given more authority as we are faithful with the authority that we've already been given. See, it's a stewardship, isn't it? God has given us authority and we must be faithful stewards of that authority. And then guess what happens? We will function more effectively in using the name of Jesus. If I use the name of Jesus really well this week, guess what? It's in his interest to give me the revelation I need to effectively use his authority name next week. Amen. And that's how you get more effective in things of the spirit. Okay. We should expect to be given more authority as we are faithful in using the authority that God has given us in Luke chapter 19 verse 17. Have you got these verses? Okay. So you'll see them in the notes. We should expect our authority to be enhanced as we function in unity with other believers. This is very important. That's why sometimes there's certain things that are only broken when you're in agreement with other believers in prayer meetings because of the level of warfare that you're dealing with. There's certain types of warfare we shouldn't do by yourself. I'm not going to go into the detail of that. But when you're dealing with high-level spirits, don't just pray by yourself. Some of you are very secretive about things, you know, and you're afraid of talking about them because the demons will hear the demons. The devil is afraid of you. Why are you afraid of him? Okay? Tell us about these things and we'll pray together in agreement. So finally, how do I qualify to use my authority? How do I qualify to use my authority? Firstly, by receiving it. Firstly, by receiving it. In John chapter 1, 12 to 13, it says, But as many received him, to them he gave the right, the authority to become children of God. Have you fully received salvation? Have you fully received this authority? Very often people live from a place of a guilty conscience. If you live from a place of a guilty conscience, you'll always live at that same level of shame that you did when you were unsaved. Jesus cleanses us by his spirit of a guilty conscience. And then he calls us to function at a high level of authority. But you have to receive it. You have to receive it. Okay? Secondly, I qualify to use my authority by believing. By believing. You know, the Bible tells us in First John chapter 4, verse 4, it says that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Question, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Many times in our walk with the Lord, we've got this mindset of God is great and is powerful, but for that great pastor and that great apostle over there. Not for me, Lord. Do you believe it for yourself, Paul? Do you believe it for yourself, Mr. Banda? Do you believe it for yourself, desire? Do you believe it for yourself, Marapeng? See, I qualify to use my authority by walking in humility. Lower yourself. Lower yourself. You know what's amazing? If you look at Philippians chapter 2, what does the Bible tell us? tells us very powerfully that Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But it says he humbled himself and came as a man. Remember that? He's lowering himself multiple times. And he took on the guise of a servant. And then he died a death, not just an ordinary death, but death on the cross. How many levels of lowering is that? And he says, because of that, God has given him the name that is above every other name. You know what I've learned? There's a link between humility and walking in authority. There's a link between lowering yourself and walking in authority. Because when I lower myself, I'm saying no to all these other labels and all these other names. And I'm saying the only name that I would truly value exceptionally highly is the name of Jesus that I now bear. Bible tells us that when we became Christians we bear Christ's name. Amen. And then D, I qualified to use my authority by walking with boldness. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31 we see that. You know that humility involves agreeing with the truth. It's not false humility. It's not trying to act humble. It's not saying the right thing that's politically correct. It's a boldness that you have where you're saying, I believe what God's word says about me. If God says I'm the head and not the tail, who am I to speak otherwise? And then finally, I qualify to use my authority by having my armor in place and standing my ground. And we know the famous scripture in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18, that speaks of the armor of God. The Bible tells us that having done all things, stand, stand. Guys, you'll see the symptoms coming to your body. Stand, refuse the symptoms. Amen. How many of you want to walk in the believer's authority? Let's do it. Come, let's pray. Father, we lift you up in this place. We want to walk in this authority that you've called us to walk in. And we ask that you help us because we don't know how we ought to pray. May you give us wisdom so that we know when to do the prayer of binding and loosing. When to be in the prayer of agreement. When to be in the prayer of thanksgiving and praise. We want to know how to pray in the spirit. We want to pray with different types of prayers. So that our prayers are effective in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Okay, Pastor Tough, you can just go through them. Do you have Maybe. your bag? Yeah, get your bag. Hey, E! family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.